everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, it's Wednesday, which means it's the new college football playoff ranking came out last night. Texas remains number seven in that, ahead of Alabama. I'm not, I don't think that's a surprise to me. I mean, look, Texas beat Alabama at Alabama. I just don't think that Alabama is all of a sudden going to jump ahead of Texas because now all of a sudden Jalen Milrose found religion. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that's the way the world works. Uh, not in, not if you're logical and reasonable and not from the deep South, uh, by the way. Uh, so Head to head matters, uh, and that's that's proven. Georgia moved up to number one. I found that interesting. They they are just beating down people right now physically, and I, I tell you what, they may actually have an improvement at quarterback. Is the bigger deal? He, he can make more throws, yeah. a little quick. I mean, he doesn't have the moxie yet of Stetson Bennett, but their quarterback play has been uh, outstanding. And I think a big piece of what they're going on. Uh, Jerry, you have some basketball uh, news that we want to get to, but we don't know if he's actually going to do anything today. I mean, that's that's kind of what's we're waiting on this on Trey Johnson, maybe to make a decision, maybe to wait till the next uh, signing period. We don't know. Uh, But this is the last day of college basketball early signing period. So if he's going to do something, he might have to do it today. Uh, But Texas goes into today with Cam Scott, uh, the shooting guard out of Lexington, South Carolina, and Nick Cody, the big power forward uh, out of Carrollton, Newman-Smith, already committed. Uh, where's Texas sit with all of this and any update on Trey Johnson, if there's anything out there? Yeah, I mean, look, today's the last uh, day of the early signing period. I mean, uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see if we hear something from Trey today. Um, uh, six five, uh, number four uh, guard. Uh, you know, he is a guy that in a first year of college basketball, he'll average around 16, 17, 18 a game. He's that talented. Uh, six five can score from all three levels, ranked number four overall in the country. Um, and I wrote a story in Inside Texas. If he were to pick Texas, um, he would be uh, using composite industry rankings. Overall ranks would be Ty Avery Bradley for the highest ranked guard to ever uh, pick Texas. So, We'll see what he does today. Um, I, I, I think uh, the interesting thing with Trey is, I think he really likes the University of Texas and everything about Texas uh, more than people probably realize. Uh, I, I just go back to the picture he had with Arch Manning that I put on social media on his official visit, where he went and spent thirty minutes in the football facility talking to Steve Sarkeesian about Texas football. That's that's always stuck out to me. Hey, Jerry, he's from originally from Richardson Lake Highlands, but he transferred up to uh, Link Prep, I think, in, in yes. Missouri. His dad's a high school basketball coach uh, yes. at Lake Highland. His dad played for Rodney Terry uh, when Rodney Terry was an assistant. Uh, yep. at Bale. I don't know if he officially played for him, but my, my, my point being is there's a lot of ties here that even though the dad played at Baylor, uh, Texas has some in some direct ends just as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I think there's a longstanding relationship there. And anytime you're in a recruitment with a prospect that later down the road could have a decision to make with G League Ignite, uh, then it's great. It, it's paramount to have a great relationship with that family. So if Trey were to pick Texas over Baylor, um, then Texas would ha- Texas would feel like they're all on the same page if the NBA G League Ignite stuff became serious later in the spring. And I'll say this too: <clears throat> I mean, it's a huge recruitment, guys, for uh, Rodney Terry, uh, Frank Haith. I think he's done a really good job coming in and, and helping uh, RT on this one uh, to give Texas put Texas in a position uh, to come out on top over Baylor if that were to happen. Um, it, look, Texas would either assigned the number two or three ranked class in the country if Trey Johnson went their way and Rodney Terry's first full class. And I know that's very just a part of the equation in college basketball because the portal is also so impactful. Um, but it, it, this was uh, this decision will be a it, it could be a big one for Texas. We'll see. By the way, Texas men are back on the uh, court tonight at 8 p.m. hosting Rice. Got it. 
I got something else I wanted to bring up that people are already talking about in the chat. And I'm going to bring up this super chat as a segue into it. I want to thank Lee Barton for the super chat. He said, Bobby Burton, I want to get your heart rate going. Did you see the bulletin board material from I from ISU's offensive tackle? If not, take a read. You'll fire it up. Now, you wrote a, a little piece on it this morning on Inside Texas. I'm going to let you kind of introduce this, Bobby, and then I'll bring up the video while you're doing that. Well, Lee, the, the, the answer is, hell yes, I saw it. And I, I was, I, you know, I was on the live stream last night. Jerry was, was I, I stood in for Jerry last night on the, the live stream because Jerry had gone. I mean, Jerry, you got to tell everybody in cent- where you went in Central Texas yesterday because you were like ping-ponging from, from Austin to San Antonio and all parts in between. But uh, no, an a, a offensive lineman from uh, a relatively obscure offensive lineman from, Can- from Iowa State had this to say about the Longhorns coming to town. Uh, and guys, if he didn't give Longhorns bulletin board material, I don't know who who would. Listen to it. It's definitely going to be one heck of a farewell present. You know, I think especially they're going to come in here on senior night in the dark. You know, I don't think they really know what is going to be coming for them. I think they'll have to come out and figure it out. But I think just uh, the Cyclone community names, you know, when night, it comes to night games, especially against Texas, you know, they've only, they've what we beat them for out of the last five times they've been here. So they don't have a good record here. Uh, we have a very distasteful in our mouth for them. You know, we definitely want to send them off the SEC with a, with a loss on our end. But, you know, it's going to be a good game. Tell us more about that distaste for them. Oh, yeah, it's just, you know, ever since I got here, it was Iowa and Texas. That was kind of the thing. And, uh, you know, the horns down all the time and whatnot. But it's just, you know, that program, much like Oklahoma, you know, they get all the big five-star recruits. They have all the nicest stuff in the world, and they just they just think they're, uh, you know, they don't stink, you know, put in layman's terms. But, uh, you know, they're just humans, and that's how I see them. You know, they're just people that have such a high ego that needs to be checked. They have such a high ego that needs to be checked. We've got a present for them when they come to town. i got to tell you. In the dark, by the way. Oh, I'm scared. I mean, I no, in the dark. I gotta tell you, on on one hand, I really like that guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I you know, uh, go ahead and portal the Texas after the season. By the way, um, I like that dude. Uh, I I really appreciate <laughs> what he did there. Uh, uh, you know, he could. I I, he, I would like to be a teammate with that guy. I have a feeling. Uh, by the way, those are some broad shoulders. He looks pretty strong. Uh, but look, I mean. I just don't think – I know Byron Murphy had a uh, put out 7 p.m. in a reply on, on Twitter. Um, I don't think Texas needs motivation for this game or any game when you're sitting there at 7 in a college football playoff. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I will say it it, it, it it certainly doesn't hurt, but I think Texas' mindset was already in the right place. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, I actually like that dude. I mean, I know Texas fans may give me a hard time about that, but uh, – I, I I like I, I one I like what he did there for Texas, but you know that what he said from an Iowa State perspective, it's true. But the other thing he said, and here's the thing that uh, because he said one winning four out of five, right? I mean that's what I'm talking about. It's true. Um, so actually not true. Well, yeah, he, okay. I mean he's oh, well in Ames, right? Yeah, uh, it's still not true. No, yeah, no. Well, he probably, they probably think they probably think they did because the call uh, a call, but uh, you know, I I think the the other thing there is, it, it's amazing to me what he said, Iowa and Texas, not Iowa, Texas, and Oklahoma, Iowa and Texas. So it, it's interesting that you know to me that while it's Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Uh, it's almost like Texas is one and Oklahoma's two to all these teams, except Bedlam. I I couldn't agree more. I, I talked about it last night. I mean, the horns down. I mean, I see the horns down whenever USC is playing. Yes. I don't know. I mean, somebody's doing that as a like a negative remark. It's like so it's like the upside down F you, you right. know, turn your hand up. And <laughs> anyways, look, here's what I I will say. Okay, you can like him all you want, Jerry. I, I think he's still who he is—a relatively obscure right. offensive lineman that went to Iowa State. So I'm not gonna—I'm not playing that game. Here's what I will say, okay? And I, I looked this up to make sure I had it all right this morning. 
Two years ago, Bo Davis went crazy on that bus when Texas got its hat handed to him and shoved back into that bus. In yeah. Texas, okay. Here are the guys that were on that bus or on that team that made that trip to Ames. Jalen Ford, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Christian Jones, Jake Majors, Jatavian Sanders, Baron Sorrell, David Benda, Jaron Thompson, Xavier Worthy, Jet Bush, Jade Barron, Vernon Broughton, Alfred Collins, Keelan Robinson, and Mo Blackwell. All but Jones and Sanders played in that game. If those 10, 12, whatever that number is, guys, don't take that as a personal, you know, you know what, then I don't know what to tell you. Then this program's culture hasn't changed. Yeah. That, that's what I would say because I think the program's culture has changed. Oh, yeah. But yeah. those are fighting words. Uh, we've got a present for them. Okay. Uh, right. by, by it the way, wasn't just Byron Murphy that responded, by the way. It was also, I mean, JT Sanders yeah. said bet. You know, yeah. it wasn't just him. But I've got my, my point on this is, you know, my, my thought, you know, are we playing on Stanford's baseball field? What a great line. Um, you know, my, my thought on it is Texas has to come to play. And this is a call out to every every Texas player that was on that bus that was in Ames two years ago. That that you know what they were a weak team two years ago. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, this guy thinks nothing's changed in two years, even though Texas beat their you know what last year in Austin. So let let's go play the game. That's that's what I say to him, and I hope Texas uh, feels that way as well. Hey, somebody said in the comment section, by the way, to add to that, Bobby, every coach except Deshard Choice was on that part of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Chris Jackson. Yeah, and Chris Jackson. I had something else I wanted to bring up, or well, that Jerry, I know you wanted to bring up this morning, and let me go ahead and pull it up here, guys. And Jerry, I'm going to let you take it away on this one, uh, but you wanted to bring this attention to the Longhorn fans out there. Yeah, yeah, uh, ESPN's Cole Kubelek. Uh, by the way, Tom Luganville is going to join us here shortly. Uh, overall opponent record of the top 10, 10 teams in the uh, college football playoff, Alabama 1, Texas 2, you see it there. Um, so, I, you know, look, I think it, it's going to be – it's so interesting uh, to me. And I, the eye test – got Oregon ahead of Texas in the initial college football playoff ranking, right? Um, and that's such an interesting place for Texas to be because, you know, as this stuff plays out, and I know everybody's on the comment section, you got to win this week, and I get it, but we're talking about this stuff. Um, it, you know, we're not playing the game. So, or Texas ideally needs Washington to lose to Oregon State this weekend, to bump them way down. Um, and to give because, or as long as Oregon's winning and they're ahead of Texas, that is a potential issue if Texas keeps winning out, guys. I mean, for the same, I mean, like Texas, Alabama behind Texas. And if you're an Alabama fan, you could say we're playing better, but you have to say, okay, but at the same time, Texas won uh, by 10 in Tuscaloosa. But Oregon being ahead of Texas right now in the college football playoff and winning with some winning in big ways, um, in Pac 12 games, that is an issue for Texas. That is the issue for Texas right now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting if both teams continue to win. If it comes down to a fourth and fourth and final spot with one of those two teams, would a college football playoff committee actually change that if Oregon keeps winning? Because that would be a mighty conversation. I, I think Texas needs to focus on Texas right now. I mean, I know you're not wrong about all of that, Jerry. Uh, but Texas needs to focus on Texas. Uh, a lot of that other stuff will play out over time. I mean, it is November football, which means that upsets happen. Players like Jonathan Brooks get injured that will materially, materially affect these teams and, and uh, whatnot. But I, I feel like that is, you know, I, I really believe Texas needs to uh, worry about Texas. Hey, before we have, before we get uh, uh, and bring Tom Luganville on here, uh, from ESPN, we want to say thank you to our sponsor. That's Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Adam and his group uh, help people 
who have been injured in a car wreck or on the job. Uh, he's been doing it for a couple of decades now. Give him a call, 512-280-0800, or visit lowylawfirm.com. Great thing about Adam is he gives you a free consultation before you even get started. Uh, again, 512-280-0800, or visit him at lowylawfirm.com. We appreciate uh, his sponsorship of Coffee and Football. All right, guys. Well, Bobby, as you said, Tom Luganbill is with us. I'm going to bring him in. And Tom, how you doing this morning? I'm good, guys. I'll tell you what, knowing you clowns, you better have a lawyer supporting this show. <laughs> hey, hey, Tom, Tom, you, you, you're here. You're here before I do the manscaped read. Yeah, yeah, the man, the manscaped read is where the lawyers needed. Well, let me let me tell you something. I do a podcast every week that's, that's sponsored by that. I even have my own show code for that thing. And uh, that Manscaped, man, they're, they're on top of it, man. They're everywhere. It's like everywhere I look, it's Manscaped here, Manscaped there. I'm telling you what. Yeah, no kidding. No wonder you guys are well represented. <laughs> hey, Tom, we got to ask you. Were in, you were at the game uh, Saturday yeah. uh, with the Longhorns. What do you think happened? Uh, you know, this has become – there's a couple pieces here. What do you think happened about Texas? What do you think about them? And then this second-half swoon that has happened of late with Steve Sarkeesian and – uh, the Longhorns, not only against TCU, but also Kansas State and yeah. U of H. What, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I don't know if it's that they relax, that they get comfortable. Um, I'll give them credit. They're a resilient bunch because they do that, and it's almost like they're suspended in, in time. And then it's like you get jolted. Oh, okay, let, let's go ahead and finish this thing. And, you know <laughs> – we joke tongue-in-cheek, our, our broadcast crew has become the official voice of, of Texas Longhorns football. Um, we've had them so often. We actually have them on Black Friday on ABC Primetime versus Texas Tech, too, coming up. So um, I, I'll give them credit in the sense that this has been a team that has found different ways to win. Hasn't always been pretty. Hasn't necessarily been the way that you want, to, uh, you want it to be. Um, you know, I, I've been given a lot of thought to the fact that as the, the conference seems to be crumbling a little bit around them, you know, Oklahoma State, then you have what happened with Kansas, obviously Oklahoma to Kansas. With each and every one of those outcomes, the pressure mounts for Texas, right? I mean, they are, they're like carrying that flag and they're the only remaining group. And this is, this is a little bit rarefied air. This is uncharted waters for this version of Texas football. They've, they've been there before. They've been there in 2009, 2010, 2008. So I think maybe a little bit is a psychological adjustment of realizing that, holy smokes, man, the gravity of each and every week is monumental. And these guys are learning to deal with it. They're learning to, to, to manage it. And, um, you know, when, when, you, when you look at – they've got so many weapons, right? They've got, they've got so many good players. So you feel confident that they're going to be just fine. But because they have some youth in some areas, an Anthony Hill, a C.J. Baxter, a John T. Cook, um, those guys are all kind of learning on the fly behind, like, the likes of a Jalen Ford or a Jade Barron or some of these upperclassmen that have, that have been through the fire. So um, I've been impressed with them each and every time I've seen them because I, I like their resiliency. They find ways to win. A lot of teams find ways to lose. You can make an argument that this Texas program has found a lot of ways to lose over the last several years. And I think that's a big hurdle for C. Sarkeesian to get over, and they, they, they've done it. The difference between Texas and my mind, guys, and I've, I've, I've had a chance to see Florida State in person. Um, I've seen Alabama in person. Obviously, we don't have the contract with the Big Ten anymore, so I, I've seen them on tape, but I haven't seen Oregon and Ohio State in person. Um, Oregon is Texas hasn't put their foot on the throat of the opponent at the moment in which it looks like the thing could turn into a 54-7 to game, right? Why that is, I don't even know if Sark can put uh, his finger on that. But they've found ways to win, and they deserve credit for that, in my opinion. I, Sark said exactly what you just said, Tom. He said he can't. He, he goes, "Why can't we play a complete game?" He goes, "I don't know." <laughs> I mean, he, he literally said that in his Monday press conference. And so, so I see where you're coming from. Is there anything that you're seeing technically in the second halves of those games? You know, are they not being as aggressive on defense? Is Sark, and uh, conversely, is Sark going for too many deep balls instead of just draining the clock and moving the ball kind of methodically? 
Is his hunger for that knockout punch perhaps too much when he has a 20-point lead already? Uh, possibly. I think there's some fairness in that assessment. Um, you know, you're, 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 you figure, okay, if we get one big shot here, this is going to be the nail in the coffin. And then it's third and four. Instead of turning around and running it, you decide to take that shot. You don't get it. You punt. And now all of a sudden, momentum wanes a little bit. The other, te- the other team, you know, kind of feels like they've got a little, little life left. I'll say this about that TCU team. They've got talented guys. Yeah. They just have found ways to screw it up. When you look at them last year and this year, and I actually came on air with this in my opening segment, six and one last year in one possession games, and actually six and zero oh during the regular season. The one, the one loss was against Kansas State, the Big Twelve Championship game. Zero oh and three. And now 0-4 in one possession games in 2023. And a lot of it has been self-inflicted. So it's not as if Texas won on the road and played a chump. It was primetime, ABC, huge window. It was really, really loud. Um, And so, again, I I, maybe – I felt like against Kansas State um, and even against BYU the week before when we had had them and they'd had some of those red zone struggles inside the five, and I could tell just standing on the sideline and kind of peeking over at him, it was fueling Sark's competitive fire because he was getting frustrated that they couldn't punch the ball in from the five. And I think that made him even push forward harder to say, damn it, we're, we are going to do this if it kills me. When maybe you just sat back. And, and again, that's the competitive juices um, flowing. But it's, that Kansas State team's a good football team. And I know that I know what the game came down to. But if you go back and you watch that game, they were this close, this close to literally maybe having the most dominant defensive performance in the last 30 years of Texas football. I mean, they were – you look at statistically where they had Kansas State and the numbers that they had put uh, up defensively. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then in the blink of an eye, it all all evaporates. So – I guess if anybody had the answer, they'd sell it to Sark and he'd use it, you know, but right now you just kind of working through it a little bit. Hey, Tom, you, uh, you've had a few games with Quinn Ewers, right? Uh, yeah. You've seen him healthy. Uh, you've seen him at top velocity when he has to use it. What did you, where did you think he was Saturday, especially as that game went on? Because Texas definitely threw the ball less in yeah. the second half. They did, but again, I don't think it was necessarily having anything to do with with Quinn. In fact, when we talked to Sark going into that game last week, he said, listen, guys, if you stepped on the field right now at our practice and you watched him and you didn't know, he goes, you wouldn't know. Right. He goes, "That's that. He, he's he's fine. And then I went out in pregame warm-up and watched him intently. He was, he was fine. Um, I think it took him a little bit. If you remember the bad pick he threw down the sideline, that was far to the inside. And then, of course, Jordan Whittington does what a Jordan Whittington does and comes and makes this spectacular, like, team chemistry-defining play to get the ball back. And then if you watch the next drive, what does Quinn do? He throws right one, lobs one up right down the side and goes right back, doesn't even phase him, and throws a really accurate football. Um, so I don't think it had anything to do with his health or anything like that. I, I honestly believe that to some degree, and, and there's validity to this, and maybe it won't be as valid without Jonathan Brooks, but I think that Texas believes, and by and large, for the most part, they probably are right, that they are good enough in the offensive line and they're good enough to formation you and scheme you to just line up and say, hey, we're going to run it right there, and you probably know we're going to run it right there, and we're still going to do it. And I think against 90% of the opponents they play, they're probably right. Maybe they get a little overly excited about that approach um in relationship to pushing it a little too much and maybe not having that that play action to take a little pop on second and four right uh just to give a little mix up and keep you honest on the back end um so i don't think it had anything to do with quinn i know this and I asked Steve Sarkeesian this uh, prior to the game in our Longhorn Network interview. I said, I know the offense doesn't change with Quinn Ewers, but the playbook has to because now you're going to be more willing to touch more little nooks and crannies of the field. You're going to be more willing to move pieces of the puzzle, motion shifts, formations, all that stuff. 
with Quinn than you would have been with Malik. And he said, well, the one thing that we feel more comfortable with was that, yeah, we'll do some of that stuff. But at the end of the day, we feel more comfortable with it because of how Quinn takes care of the football. And so if you feel like he's going to continually take care of the football um, and he rebounded from that one bad throw, then you're going to open the playbook more and more. And, and listen, guys, I, I don't know how you feel, but Ames, Iowa is creepy, man. Like <laughs> it's it, it could be windy. It could be freezing cold. You know they're going to be well coached. It's going to be loud. Um, and like I said, with each and every week that passes, I feel like Texas, guys, is living in the world right now. And this is a good thing because this is what Steve Sarkeesian was hired to do. They're living in the world right now that the University of Alabama has lived in every day for the last 15 years. Yep. Where every week you have to respond to accolades. You have to respond to attaboys and pats on the back. And you have to be able to deal with success and manage everybody telling you how good you are. While everything around you seems to be crumbling, you don't rely on anybody. If you go out and take care of business, everything will take care of itself. That's a lot, man. Psychologically, that is a lot. So far, the team's been mature enough to handle it. But those components, all of those that I just referenced, make that Ains-Iowa trip intriguing to me. Hey, uh, Tom, uh, you mentioned Alabama there. Alabama stays at eight, I believe, in the college football playoff. Texas stays at seven. Jerry was talking about this uh, prior to. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention is Georgia leapfrogging Ohio State last night, college football playoff rankings. You agree with that assessment at this point? Yeah, I, I do. Um, listen, I think the the college football playoff committee leading up to yesterday, they're always going to default for the most part to the thing that's going to create the most criticism of their decision, right? So if it's if it's able to be easy, they're going to make the easy call. And I think because of the two top ten wins for Ohio State early, it was very easy for them to to rely upon that. Um, I think what they're starting to do now is they're starting to realize. The, the Big Ten top to bottom uh, probably isn't very good. And you can make an argument that the SEC this year top to bottom, maybe not as good as it's been in the past. But the schedule for Georgia, particularly on the back half, has proven to be much more competitive than people looked at it in July and August. And I think that the committee is acknowledging that now. And listen, you get Brock Bowers back. You get Ladd McConkey back. Um, the run game, Carson Beck's really coming into it to his own. They're probably one of the most complete teams. And every time somebody tries to challenge them with a, oh, Ole Miss is going to get them this time, or Missouri is going to get them this time, or remember Kentucky rushes for 280 yards against Florida, and then the next week they go to Georgia, oh, watch out for Kentucky, and Georgia just shuts it down, right? <laughs> and I and I think that's that's probably created a lot of value for them right now. I get it. Uh, speaking with Tom Luganville of ESPN. Tom, what is your uh, podcast name to give everybody a chance to listen to you if they, they like what they hear and hear and want to hear it? Yeah. Else? Yeah, we do a, a few of them. I do uh, three of them throughout the week through uh, Disrupt the Media. Um, you can find them on Instagram. You can find them on uh, on Twitter and uh, do it with a group out of Birmingham uh, called The Next Round. So we do one on Monday called Monday Morning Live. It's 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern time every Monday. And then we, we tape one on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. One's called Ball. And we just kind of talk the, the sport top to bottom. Uh, the one on Wednesday, <laughs> you'll laugh at this, is called Spittin' Lugs. <laughs> and we, uh, I'll be taping that later today. We talk football and we also kind of talk pop culture and movies and shows. And we get into a lot of that, that stuff. That's not always just, you know, football and, and X's and O's. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I listen, this is the greatest sport in the world. So anytime we are all like we're doing right now, fortunate enough to sit around and talk about it and not have to go dig ditches for a living. Uh, I think we're all pretty fortunate, right? I, no doubt. I, could not agree more. That's we've got a thousand plus people on here right now that are, I think feel similarly to what you just said. By the way, um, let me ask you a final question. Uh, yeah. what, is, what do you think Texas needs to do to, to finish out strong here? Like uh, they've got Iowa State. Then you mentioned you're going to be uh, yeah. on the sideline for Texas Tech day after thanks day after Thanksgiving. What do you think Texas is really needs to focus on to to, to try to finish out strong? Don't read the internet. Don't watch TV. Don't listen to the radio because not a damn bit of it matters. Everything they've done to get them to this point is what matters. Don't deviate from the schedule. Don't deviate from the plan. Obviously, you can't prepare for injuries. You have to deal with injuries. Fortunately for Texas, they are a very talented group in the running back room. I think Jonathan Brooks was maybe the most underrated running back in the country. We talked on Saturday night last week that we thought he should have been a Heisman Trophy 
type guy because of everything he lent to the offense. But it's a deep room. So now we're going to see more of C.J. Baxter. We may see more of Savion Red. We may see, see more of Jaden Blue. Um, I, they, they've obviously got to stay healthy in the offensive line and the defensive front seven because that's where they're better than everybody else. And when we talk about college football playoff teams or we talk about teams that are playing for a national title, Jerry, you and I have talked about this for years. What's the common denominator? They're all better than everybody else up front, yep. right? Why could Oklahoma never w- uh, win a college football playoff game? They're completely outclassed up front on both sides of the football. Um, that's where Texas has advantages. They need to lean on those advantages. Um, and obviously down the stretch, you're, you want to be peaking at the right time. You want to be peaking late in November. But in order to do that, too, you got to be healthy. you got to be fresh. And um, for the most part, they've been very fortunate in that regard outside of the Jonathan Brooks uh, injury last Saturday. Hey, last thing I have for you, Lutz. How does Dusty handle calling so many Texas games when they're winning? <laughs> I know, right? And we had – so it, it was weird. So we started off the season, for whatever reason, a lot of our ABC, SPN games were in the ACC. And then it transitioned. And we've almost been in the Big 12 like the whole time. Yeah. Well, we've had Oklahoma twice. All right, so – Oh. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Oklahoma twice. Yeah, we had Oklahoma twice. They almost lose to UCF, all right? Then the next week we have Texas-BYU. Texas beats BYU. The next week we have Bedlam in Stillwater. Oklahoma loses Oklahoma State. And then we follow it up uh, with, with Texas. I will, I'll say this, man. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Because um, obviously we all know how big a deal Oklahoma, Texas is. Yep. And, um, you know, we're talking about a guy that was, a, I think, a two-time All-American, two-time first-team uh, all-conference um, just a difference maker along the defensive front. And he's really super level-headed about it. Like, if we got in the car after the Stillwater game, he goes, yeah, that's what happens when you don't play good enough to win. You know, and it was like, it just is what it is. And I think when you remove yourself from it to some degree, does it hurt deep down inside? Yeah. If you're a true pro, your objectivity has got to come through. And I think Dusty does a good job of separating those two. But uh, I will say this, dude, he's a true defensive lineman, man. So, like, when, when, when we broadcast the Texas game, Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, those are his guys, man. I mean, those, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, too. Have you noticed how strange the officiating is when you could argue that the two of those defensive players side to side, maybe the two best defensive tackles playing next to each other in all college football, and I think they've had one holding call called against either of the two of them. Might be none. Is that none? none? Yeah, none? None? okay. Is that is that humanly possible, Luke's? I mean, no, it's not humanly possible. It's not alien possible. I don't. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, what? what how is that happen? But uh, it, it is what it is. So, but I know this, man. You watch that group up front now. Ooh, boy, I, I'll tell you, that is uh, an impressive group in the front seven. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you. Yeah. Tom Luganville, ESPN. Make sure you check out his podcast if you get a yep. chance as well. Uh, Tom, we appreciate you, buddy. Uh, good luck this week. Where are you going this week? Uh, we've, we're out to SCUCLA. Oh, in wow. The, in the, uh, a game that nobody projected would be the game that has now become. <laughs> right. Hey, well, Chip <laughs> Kelly, literally, week. it could be Chip Kelly's swan song if some reporting is accurate, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you know, what quarterback will UCLA play? What I mean, there's so many. Just a, unfortunately, it seems like there's a lot of negativity surrounding what is an awesome uh, game uh, amongst two teams that are heading off into the Big Ten. They both wear their home uniforms, which I think is so cool, right? And they don't, and and you can still tell the difference enough between the colors. So I'm hoping because 
everybody's down on both of them, it ends up being like a juggernaut of a football game, which it very well could be. Yeah. All right, Tom. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, Blake. Thanks so much. You guys have a great rest of the week. You, you too, too. too. All right, guys. All right, guys, that was Tom Luganville of ESPN right here on Coffee and Football, presented by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. And uh, if y'all are ready, we'll get to some questions. I, I, Blake, Blake, I got to do something. Uh, well, no, well, let's get a couple of questions. Well, I figured we'd get one or two questions, and then we'd get to that. I, I was going to segue to it. Don't worry. Look, I got some work to do in a second, man. <laughs> All right, guys. This first question from Helio Castillo. He says, I know he doesn't have any stamps at running back this year, but do you think that we Trey Wisner can get some run going forward? I really don't think he's going to be pushed to action unless – something major happens this year and you don't you don't start in you don't start inserting a freshman uh in game 10 11 12 right uh not when you have uh not when you have what i would consider a you know a uh conference title potential national championship implications on the line um i will say this i mean wiser continues to show well on special teams helio which I think is a predictor somewhat of how well they think he's going and what he's going to mean to the team. He and Jelani McDonald have become two of the better coverage guys, uh, along with Leonga LaFau, on that kick kickoff team. So uh, let, let's let's watch a little bit more. Trey's also been good on punt coverage too. And you got to remember, I mean, last year against Washington, right? With uh, with. Uh, uh, Keel, I mean, uh, Bijan and Roshan out. Keelan Robinson actually took the big role, right? And then Jonathan Brooks came in and supported that and had obviously made some big plays. So I think if uh, Keelan Robinson is healthy, he will get some opportunities Saturday. I think Jay, uh, I think uh, Blue will as well. I think the interesting thing, though, is Bobby, you know, to Sark's point, this is what we've been, I mean, to Luganville's point when talking about that Texas run game. This is what we've been saying is the identity that Texas wants to have in the run game doesn't necessarily fit Blue's skill set. So is Texas in game, uh, uh, you know, 11 here going to change up what they do on the road against the good defense? Remains to be seen. Right, this next question is from Captain Americano. And he says, what are the chances we could see more diamond or pony packages the rest of the way? I love it because it offers so much versatility in the running and pass game, especially with backs like red and blue. I see it more as a change of pace, something to show people, especially when you feel like you need it, uh, just to stress a defense in multitude of ways throughout a game. I don't know if it's something you're going to see regularly, Bobby. I, I that that's just doesn't – that would be Sark walking away from – his scheme and what he really ideally wants to do. I just, I think it's still got to be a timing thing, a little bit of a change of pace. It's been more of a sprinkle. Yes. Or a dusting, not a fundamental part. Right. I will say this. If, if, if Jonathan Brooks is out, does that become instead of one or two plays a game, does it become three to five? Possibly. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, that's the, the, the question. Um, and look, it's been effective, relatively speaking. Uh, he's right about that. Will it stay effective if you use it fr more frequently? Fair question. Uh, this comment came up uh, while Tom Luganville, when you know, were talking to him, and it's from Colton. I wanted to get y'all's take on it. He says, Sark's teams have been outscored in the second half 46% of all games during his Texas tenure so far. So 50%. What's his overall record? I guess he's nine and one this year, eight and five last year. So that's 17, uh, and, six. 17 and six and then five and seven. So he is 22 and 13, 22 and 13. Uh, you know, I, he was outscored 90% of the time in the second half in year one. So that's come down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that. I don't know all of what's involved in that. Part of it is that they do get out to big leads and have been getting out to big leads. I mean, look, the the Kansas State game is an example. Um, the tech, TCU game is an example. I feel like when Texas gets those leads, 
they just need to create better time management. And, and uh, when they have the ball, you, you don't go for the throat necessarily. When you have somebody bleeding out, sometimes you just let them bleed out. And that's where I think you don't necessarily try to stick the knife in and twist. And I, I kind of feel like Sark tries to not only do that, he tries to decapitate people <laughs> on the way, right? And I'm sorry to use these gruesome analogies, but my point being, you know, if you have somebody's, you know, if you have somebody's number and you're moving the ball, just keep doing what you're doing. And, and the points will pile up. And the opposing offense then becomes more risky and maybe throws an interception and adds the seven points to it. So I, I, let, let's see how they, they they perform the rest of the way. I I would love nothing more than to see Texas go up there and handle business at Iowa State in the first and second half. Right, this next question here is for you, Jerry, Not from Ski Break. He says it's about time for an advertisement read. What's it, it going to be? And with that said, we're going to let you take it away. Yeah, look, it, it it's that time. It's the Manscaped 5.0 Lawnmower Ultra 5.0. I mean, look, it's that time, guys. It's our favorite time of the morning. Uh, look, it's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's a ball trimmer sent from space. That's right. A ball trimmer sent from space. Gentlemen, it's our friends at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below the waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code ONTEXAS, all caps, high tech, for low places, Manscaped. Hey guys, every man knows how scary it can get when going for that close shave below the belt. Extremely scary. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Manscaped.com on Texas, all caps. 20 plus 20% off plus free shipping. Have at it. There you you too can be Jerry Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat that. All right, guys. <laughs> let's see. That's that's a tough act to follow for sure. But here we go. E Kim here says good morning from O'Hare Airport. Any new surprises coming from the coaching carousel? Bobby, you talked about Chip Kelly a minute ago. I know you were kind of taken back by that one yesterday. Yeah, Chip Kelly, uh, it, that's, that's. I mean, it's not like UCLA has been this bastion of greatness. And but, but I think they should be, but don't put their money where the mouth is. Yeah, they pay their coaches two to three million a year as opposed to what everybody, you know, what USC, their crosstown rivals paying, what, eight to ten? Um, I, I think that they may be starting to get more serious about sports there given their entry into the big 10 and the amount of money they're going to get from that Jerry. So that may be driving it. Uh, the other news that I, I look, I still think Houston Baylor and Arkansas are all coming open for sure. All three of those, that's three regional schools on top of Texas A&M. Um, and if Mississippi state goes where I think they're going to go, which is with Willie Fritz, the head coach at Tulane, add Tulane to that list. Oh, did you see who was in Starkville yesterday because he took not to turn off his location? That was a that was a joke. I was on the road yesterday and somebody sent me that. And I was like, no way that's true. Yeah. Okay. Jamie Chadwell, the Liberty coach. Uh, the, 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 the thought process, I, I believe, is that um, guys like Jeff Trailer are going to have opportunities. Who's going to move first? Is it going to be Houston, Baylor, Arkansas? Where does Jeff Trailer want to go between those three schools? Is G.J. Kenny at Texas State ready to step up to one of those schools? Um, when are they going to make a move at Baylor? I mean, right now, look, they have to be looking at A&M willing to step up and pay $76 million in a buyout and say, whoa, why aren't we ready to do that with a guy that's going to be what – is, what is his record? Three and, he's going to be three and nine this year? after inheriting a team that was that yeah. won the big 12, basically with, with, with Matt rules players. I, and there's no, I'm going to say this. It's not like Baylor is brimming with talent underneath. That is a depleted roster yeah. with Arkansas. I mean, they're just, 
they've been constantly, you know what, since basically they entered the SEC, they're just in a, a really difficult area of the country to kind of recruit against bigger teams that have more access to, to better players. As far as Houston, I mean, what are they waiting on right now, Jerry? Yeah. Be appropriate and in, in can him at the end of the year. I mean, he scored 14 points against Cincinnati. Right. I mean, Cincinnati just got their first conference win. Uh, th- those games are going. Chip Kelly, you mentioned him. Um, you know, the, the the situation at A&M is interesting. You've heard Dion's name. That name came out. Dan Lanning, of course, has uh, been that. Uh, Kyle Whittingham. Uh, has been one of those uh, that I've, I've heard a lot about as well. So you, you look around uh, and uh, you wonder what's going on in the coaching community. I think it's going to be a crazy, uh, really a crazy stretch run, probably from Thanksgiving, Jerry, until early December, like the first weekend of December. You're going to see, you know, just rapid fire machine gun like coaching changes across, especially in our our neck of the woods. So that that's going to be interesting. Somebody's saying D on the UCLA. Now that would be entertaining. Put D on in LA. <laughs> that would be entertaining. Maybe so. You never know. I got this next question. Well, that actually, push, that would push Snoop Dogg to a tough decision, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would. Hey. hey, look, he would. Would would Snoop take the USC jersey off and, and support Dion? I don't think so. I don't either. <laughs> Uh, let's read this super chat real quick. A little dab will do you. Thank you for the super chat. He said, Manscaped, make your bells jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. And then we have a question here from Terrell Hennigan. And Terrell asks, given his lack of touches this year, why was Jay Witt never considered for the Wildcat package? He was a running back at one point in time, and he runs hard. That's not a bad question. Um Maybe because he's the best exterior blocker of the receivers. That, uh, yeah. And so, actually, you could actually rely on him to, to seal a side or to wall off a side. I, that's not a bad question. It's not a bad question to ask why he doesn't get four to five touches a game in some kind of array that Steve Sarkeesian creates uh, because he is a good runner after the catch. He, and he's not a long speed runner, by the way. Now, he can hit it big if he's given the opportunity, but – He's more of that get you an extra three to 10 yards as a runner, as opposed to get you the extra 40. So that's a good question. I think I, Ryan Irwin is a big advocate of doing, not necessarily using Jay Witt at running back, but using Jay Witt in different scenarios. I think the other thing with Jay Witt though, he has been nursing a little bit of a toe injury, right? I, he's not, he's playing through it right now. Uh, sort of like Jade Barron is. Okay, guys, this next question here comes from Zane Petty. And Zane asks, what does Quinn's stat line need to look like to leave Ames with a win? Uh, 65% completions, no interceptions. I've got a different one. Not above 33, not above 33 or 34 passes. Yeah. Because Iowa State's going to drain the clock with their offense. You're not going to. It's not going to be one of these where they're you get into this throwing game against them or they're not going to throw it that much. And so you're going to have reduced opportunities because they like to hang on to the ball. I, I want Quinn to stay around 33, 34 passes at most. That's my that's my recipe. If he's if he's more than that, that means Texas is probably playing from behind. And then we have a quick super chat here, guys, that I wanted to get to real quick from uh, Major Alexander. Thank you, Major. He says, Witt was recruited to play in Herman's offense, not Sark's. A lot of truth to that. But, you know, and also it was thought that, when you know, Jordan Whittington was a Swiss Army knife in high school. If you haven't, if you didn't watch him in high school, quarterback, running back, receiver, safety, played linebacker at times on defense. I mean, he sat in the box. So, look, he could have been a safety, could have been a receiver, could have been a lot of things. Well, let's, let's remember, when he first got there, Stan Drake was thinking running back. Yes. Now, his body couldn't hold up for that, obviously, and that would have been a no-win situation for Jay Witt. But uh, Jay Witt does have some running back instincts to me watching him in high school, but he just wasn't built for that. 
All right. And then, hey, uh, Jackie Liner, you put up a super chat, but no question was attached to it. If you will send it normal, we will make sure to get to that. And with that said, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about game time. Yeah, before we get to more questions, talk a little more football, I want to introduce you, introduce you guys uh, to game time. Game time is the app. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country. And for good reason, uh, you can get images of your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. It's absolutely perfect for last minute game time decisions. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I personally use game time. I did it for the World Series once. I've done it for my daughter and some uh, concert tickets. Uh, so if you need any last minute tickets, there's really no better place. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you don't have to dig through your email. You can also send it to a friend and, and transfer it that way. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first, first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ONTEXAS for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. If you're going to Ames and you're going to be in the dark, Make sure you check out Game Time. Hey Blake, hey, Blake, I want to yeah. tell people kind of where I was yesterday from yeah. a recruiting standpoint as well. Uh, so I uh, went, went to a Hill Country area, worked my way to San Antonio and around, but uh, started the morning at Dripping Springs for 6.30 a.m. practice. Great sunrise, by the way. Um, Jacob Pont, an offensive tackle, committed to Texas Tech, a guy that Texas maintained some contact with. He was at Texas OU as a guest of Texas. I uh, was 6'6", 235 as a junior, uh, but showed some good feet and grown into a football player at that point in time as an offensive lineman. He's now 6'7", almost 6'7", 275, uh, really has created some contact power. He's got some natural contact power. He's an aggressive kid. He's just going to have to uh, continue to get stronger. He, that's a process that will take a couple of years for him. Uh, nothing imminent there with Texas and him, uh, but Texas has maintained, maintained contact. Then I went down to Cibolo Steel for their athletic period. Very talented team. Uh, Texas has not made a move on Dante Carter, the safety committed to Vanderbilt, who's a very talented player. Just needs some time, again, physically. 6'1", 170, 172. So he's not a physically ready guy to play SEC football, but very talented. Uh, they got a lot. That, Steel has a lot of really talented players. They have 9, 10, 11 Division I kids. Uh, you never know what the portal, but should be. Uh, Division One kids in that program right now. Sophomore running back committed to Oklahoma. They have a freshman running back who I bet ends up being a really, really good player. Uh, and then I ended the day at San Marcos. I went to see Ori Williams. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, he, he remains in contact with Texas. He showed up at the Texas game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but he, he was at LSU last weekend. His family's all LSU fans. They got pictures of Shaquille O'Neal last weekend, which makes Ori look small. And Ori's 6'8", 290. Um, but, uh, you know, or, or, or he still talks to Texas and we'll see if anything happens there down the line. Uh, and that, this kind of what we said, if DeAndre Carter looked like he was going to stick with Auburn, then Texas is going to take a look at the offensive tackle position. I'm not sure they go truly push for a fourth lineman. I think, uh, if Ori Williams ever just called and said, Hey, I've had a change of heart and I want to stay close to home. I don't think they're turning him down. Uh, but I, I, it'll be interesting to see how hard they push. I wouldn't say it's out of the question. Uh, that Ori makes an official visit to Texas, but nothing's scheduled right now. All right, y'all. I got that super chat in from Jackie Leinert, and so I'm going to read that to y'all real quick, and then I am going to excuse myself from the broadcast and let Bobby take over the hosting duties here after this. But Jackie's super chat was, you have to play to win, you can't play not to lose. I, I agree with that, but... Look, part of it is this. I mean, part of uh, milking the clock in the second half is playing to win. It's reducing the other team's chances to get the ball back and score on you. So if you just keep making first downs and you're up by 20, that's playing to win. That's my opinion. I think situational football in, in game management is so big. Um, look, he, he, I was talking to the college assistant um, – last night and they talked about the difference home and away for teams that play fast the communication 
you know, it, 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 if you don't run the football a little bit more, if you don't situationally take away their opportunities, because th- those guys home versus away, uh, this college defensive coordinator said night and day, because it's hard to communicate and play at that tempo and that speed you want to when you're on the road, much easier at home. And you almost have to offensively call a game against that when you're the road team playing against that team at home, especially if you have to have, especially if you have a lead. Got it. And they're starting to move the ball and they're starting to have success moving the football. All right, Blake, we appreciate you, buddy. Go take care of your internet provider. Coming up. Get, getting it going. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. All right, you, you be good, buddy. All right, uh, that's going to that's gonna be uh, me and Jerry here for the rest of the time. We're going to finish off. We've got a lot of questions to get to. I want to start with this one from Brett Rasco. Uh, where is Malik Muhammad in his development, Jerry, in your opinion? Look, I think he's been on the field so much this year. I, I think his development's right on track. I mean, he's a guy who will – who should be a starting corner next year, whether that's boundary or field, I think will be interesting to see what they tinker with in the spring. But uh, look, he came in, he gained 13 pounds since he got the Texas and retained all the speed and quickness. So he is physically 100% on the right track. And because that's part of his development, I think he came in ahead technically. I think he was more of a technician. Um, so I think the next big part is Bobby. He was such a playmaker, an opportunistic playmaker in fall camp, whether that was causing fumbles, interceptions, whatnot. I think the next part of his development will be being maybe more consistent playing the run because I, at the cornerback position, I think, I think he's got the rest of the tools. Look, the one thing I don't think he is naturally is not a turn and just run and get your head around and make plays on the football necessarily. But I think he is really, really good when everything's in front of him. Uh, And and I think he's going to maximize his talent. Jerry, I got three quick recruiting questions. I want to push over to recruiting a little bit here because we haven't talked enough about it uh, this week, uh, given, in my opinion, Wardell Mack's commitment. Uh, Ty Anthony Smith, you you said and and broke the news that he's going to be visiting Texas somewhat soon uh this is a there, there's three questions in success in yeah. succession here so let's go through them quick from roger g jerry you said texas isn't pushing hard for miles davis does does that mean they feel confident with with phil same i don't know if that means they feel confident i, I think uh they, they they're progressing in, in, in talking with phil same uh look if mckinney wins this weekend this is a big game they play highland park not a gimme game right i mean highland park may not be as talented as they were in some of their best teams, but it's not a gimme game. If they win that game, if McKinney wins that game, that takes him out of going to Gainesville for the Florida-Florida State game, which that is probably a helpful thing for Texas, right? doesn't mean he won't get on campus in December, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see the dad and the, and the kid have to make it to Austin. Uh, they've talked with him about it, but when you're in the playoffs and you're playing playoffs, you're playing Friday and Saturday games, it makes it tough. Right now, during the season, because Texas is in their season, Phil, uh, Phil, same, and McKinney are in their season. So it'll be interesting to see when that visit happens. But I think if if McKinney wins and he doesn't go to Florida for Florida State, I think that helps Texas a little bit because I think that Florida class may take on more water. I want to I mean, say, yeah, I want to say this. I think they're not pushing for Zay, Miles Davis because maybe they don't think Miles Davis is as good as some other guys. They're and if and if maybe if they don't get Phil same, it's portal. Yep. Yep. All right. Roger Roger G. Jerry, if possible, would Texas take Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker from Jasper, and Justin Williams, the linebacker uh, from Oak Ridge, Conroe Oak Ridge, that's committed to Georgia? I so here's the thing. I think if Ty Anthony Smith were to it, they play Waco Connolly Friday. Um, I think if 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 Waco Connolly beats Jasper. I think there's a good chance Ty Anthony's in Austin for an official visit for Texas Tech. Uh, but again, these playoffs, who wins and loses and when you do it, play into that. If Ty Anthony Smith made a decision to flip before Justin Williams did, and I'm not saying Justin Williams will flip, and then Justin Williams called Texas December 17th, they're not turning him down, period. So the answer is yes, uh, but uh, there's a long way to go with Justin Williams on that. Yeah, uh, this one from Quentin. Hey, Jerry, have you heard of Cameron Spencer, the defensive line, deep, a linebacker from Bay City, 20, uh, 20 sacks, and he's a class of 2025. That means he's a junior right now in high school. Yeah, yeah, they'll have a couple of good D linemen. They have a kid going to Nebraska in the senior class, and uh, they're having a really big year. 
uh, they that coaches uh, turned that program around because Bay City went from one of the most talented schools in what the eighties, early nineties, Bobby, to just being bad. And a lot of it to do with the plants and, and things, you know, that you can't control, but uh, yeah, they have two really good D linemen on that team. One's going to Nebraska and the other's the junior. All right. Uh, one last one for recruiting for today, Jerry, what players on DeSoto should I watch out for going to the game against Wiley East this weekend? I know they have like 10 to 15. Well, well, yeah. You don't need binoculars to see Byron Washington. I'll tell you <laughs> that you can sit at the top of the stands and you'll know who he is, uh, 6'8", 380, 6'7", 390, whatever we're going to call him. Byron Washington, a Texas target in 2025. They have a freshman receiver, Booby Feaster, who has about 25 offers right now. Uh, they, they think he's going to be John Tay Cook level or better coming out. Uh, uh, then there's Singleton, the junior receiver, committed to SMU, undersized, really good player. R Tiger in the 2025 running back has been battling some injuries. Uh, they had the they have the undersized edge kid outside back that I believe six sacks against uh, uh, Duncanville in that game. He's about six two two hundred pounds, uh, but he can get after the quarterback. They have a number of defensive backs. Saul Reyes, a junior defensive back, is very talented. Uh, he moved from East St. Louis. He's a, he'll be a top one hundred and fifty type kid in the country. I mean, I could go on, but they're they're extremely talented team. Uh, but, you know, you'll see as big of a guy as you've seen on a football field in a long time when you see Byron Washington. What about that edge player? The That's edge not yeah, he had six sacks against Duncanville. He's a junior. He's undersized kid, about 6'2", 195, 200 pounds. Um, so we'll, we'll see where his recruitment goes, but he's a good pass rusher off the edge. Got it. All right. Um, that's Jerry Hamilton inside Texas on three. Uh, Jerry, we got some more questions we got to get to. Uh, we need to say thank you to our sponsor of Coffee Football. Every Wednesday morning, uh, Coffee and Football is brought to you by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Adam's a, a good friend of the program. If you've been injured in a car wreck or on the job, Adam is who you want to call. Uh, call him at 512-280-0800 or visit him at LowyLawFirm.com. Uh, he's got decades of experience and he gives you a free consultation before you ever get started. So you'll know whether or not he's right for you. And he can tell you whether or not he thinks you might have a case. That's 512-280-0800. We appreciate you, Adam. All right, Jerry, let's get back to some questions here before we get going. Here's one from Dark Borg. Why do y'all think Max early teams always seem to take teams with inferior talent being woodshed and this team plays down to the level of competition. I want to take this one, Jerry, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. When I think there was a bigger and wider gap of talent than there is today. 25 years ago, there are, there are just more good players now, Jerry, than there were 25 years ago. And I'm not saying great, there are more great players because there's actually not necessarily more great players. Overall, it has it has pushed up a little bit, though. Right. I mean, the second team offensive lineman at Texas now, or even at Texas Tech, might be a first might have been a first teamer 15, 20 years ago. At the same time period, I I think that kind of overall thing has happened across football. There's more people playing football than ever. I know that doesn't sound right. The the nutrition these guys are doing, the the attention to detail from coaching. I mean, think about it. There's more coaches now than there used to be. Yeah, they're they're paying more attention to their bodies. They're they're working out stronger, more. It's just all of those things lead to a rising tide. There's not a lot of teams that just blow people out week after week. So that's my take on that. Another piece to that, Jerry. I want to add to that huddle and YouTube. I think that changed the recruiting game so much more than we give it credit for. Because, you know, you think about Virginia Tech, they could hide players. You can't hide players anymore. So, I mean, Mac had that, Mac had the advantage for, and he was, it's the best recruiter I've ever seen. So I'm not taking it away, away from him. But Huddle and YouTube, every kid gets exposure. I mean, they're, they're, they're these kids, there are, there aren't diamonds in the rough really like there used to be, right? I mean, to your point, Bobby, there's more players. They're more known about. They're more known about early. I mean, that's the thing is you don't get these guys showing up at a Texas camp that maybe have one offer. Uh, Brian Robeson nowadays 
with a huddle tape of him throwing a discus and shot would have been a top 150 kid in the country. That is at 6'3", 235, runs 4'6", throws a discus 210 feet. Then you see the video of it, and he goes to the Nike Combine and puts up these all on amazing numbers, and suddenly Alabama and everybody else wants him. Huddles change the game, and Nike camps change the game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's just I just think there's more emphasis. Like, it's harder to blow teams out now. Yeah, it is. But and, 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 right. some teams do it. I mean, Kansas State is blowing out everybody but Texas. Yeah. And by the way, some of those MAC teams were built to blow people out. You had edge players that were menaces. Derek Johnson was a turnover machine. Roy Williams could take over a game at wide receiver. Cedric Benson could take over a game at running back. I mean, Mac went through a period where they had two defensive linemen drafted every year. What was it, four or five years? I mean, so they were built to demolish you at the right positions in ways, too, and always had secondary guys who could make plays on the ball. Interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to a couple more questions before we uh, get out of here today. Buddy Powell, Chief Big Guy, this is a comment more than anything. Iowa State has the fourth largest stadium in the Big 12, 61,000 capacity. Will be a tough environment. I agree. It will Agreed. be a tough environment. Thank, thankfully, uh, Jared Hufford made sure that Texas would be focused, I believe. Uh, the offensive lineman from uh, Iowa State that made the comments yesterday, if you have, didn't join us earlier, we, we played that video. Um, he basically went on and said that Playing Texas, they had a present ready for them uh, that, you know, they had a distaste for Texas, that it was Iowa and Texas that Iowa State really cared about. Uh, so, I mean, whatever. I, I don't know what to say other than, like I mentioned, there were 10 plus guys that were on that bus when Bo Davis said that. And they're, they are now the backbone of this team. If Texas doesn't come to play at Iowa State, I'll be very, very very surprised. All right, uh, Stephen Houston says, Sark's offense either targets or the slot or ignores it completely in certain games. There's no consistency. Jerry, you think that's part of what maybe a, a defense gives him? Yeah, but I think also this. I mean, and I get what he's saying, but if you have A.D. Mitchell, you have Xavier Worthy and J.T. Sanders. I mean, and you're going to have an inside zone run game and you want to stress the field horizontally in the passing game. Then you want to stress the field vertically, whether it's the inter intermediate or deep passing game. Um, I, I just think, look, they have three high-level NFL draft picks at wide receiver and Worthy and Mitchell and Sanders at tight end. Um, so, you know, I just think – one ball to go around. Then you had Jonathan Brooks at running back, right? Pre-injury, who was probably the leading guy for the doke. Uh, so I just think on some level, there's one football and not enough time and opportunity. Now, I will say this. I think next year we've talked about this. This team's going to be different. So Worthy's off to the pros. Mitchell's off to the pros. Sanders off to the pros. They're going to have really good players. But the young slot receivers, explosive guy like Orion Niblett, a very consistent guy, uh, like DeAndre Moore, not that Whittington's not, but they're different and they're going to have different opportunities. So I, I think it's personnel uh, as much as it is anything. Uh, but I, I think you'll see the slot position uh, used more in the future at Texas. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for today, guys. We appreciate you. Thanks to Adam Lowy uh, at the Lowy Law Firm. Thanks to Manscaped, Game Time, our sponsors of the show. And thanks to all of you who showed up uh, and talked with us as well as Tom Luganville, uh, yeah. the ESPN analyst. If you did not catch that segment, go back and watch that because I thought it was absolutely terrific uh, for him to join us this morning. All right, for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. You'll catch us on InsideTexas.com the rest of the day. We also have uh, a couple other things coming up. Reminder, we're monitoring whether or not Trey Johnson, the big-time basketball recruit, announces today. Texas plays basketball tonight. Uh, check us out on InsideTexas.com. We'll have more. We also have State of the Program coming with Eric Nalene here on On Texas Football around noon today. For Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.